Welcome to the Success Scenario. I'm your host, Dustin Abrego. On the Success Scenario, we meet and hear from current LCC students, people just like you, who face adversity, why they chose LCC, and how they turn their situation into a successful one. Today, I'm joined by... Chrissy Schiebner. Chrissy, thanks so much for stopping by. We really appreciate you taking time out of your limited summer because you just got done with summer classes, right? Correct. Okay. How did we do with the summer classes? We did really well, <laughs> even though we did not think we would. <laughs> okay. Okay. What would you take this summer? This summer, I took Composition 2 with <laughs> Gloria Shirey, <laughs> and I took Art History from the Renaissance with Don Weigand, <laughs> and that one was fully self-led. Um, Composition two was ORT with lecture time with Gloria. So, and uh, composition two, I finished with a 98.47. And I don't know what the percentage comes to, but art history, I finished with 499.5 out of 512 possible points. So, so I'm hearing four point in both classes. You are hearing, okay. I'm getting another presence list. Okay, another, <laughs> another presence list. Okay, so backtracking Which, a little. Which, as you know, I'm yeah. collecting. <laughs> So I was backtracking a little bit for the rest of the people because clearly we've had some convos back and forth. Um, tell us a little about yourself, um, why you chose LCC. Is this your first time? Give us the spiel. Well, the spiel is that I will be 45 in September. I have a daughter who is turning 27 in about a week. And I married my childhood sweetheart five years ago. Um, I dropped out of high school, actually. So let's go way back. Let's go way back. I dropped out of high school when I found out I was pregnant the first time. I did have two miscarriages before my daughter. And then I had her when I was 17, just about 18. So I spent what would have been formative college years for anybody else. I spent that being a mom and getting my GED because I did want that. I wanted to be finished. Um, and then working, working a lot. And I did that for her entire childhood until she was done with school. And then I just, I don't know, I, I became disabled in 2008, which is a whole other story. I don't know if we're going to go into that today, sure. <laughs> but I became disabled in, in 2008 and it led to a lot of depression, which led to a lot of, I can't do this and I can't do that. I'm not capable of this. I'm not capable of that. Any amount of self-esteem I had, I lost when I became disabled. Um, just you feel like a bit of a failure, especially, I think, I don't want to generalize, but for me, at, at my age, I was very, very young and then told you're permanently disabled. This will affect the rest of your life. Suddenly, I couldn't work anymore. My daughter was 16 when I became permanently disabled and... I couldn't keep up with her anymore. I spent a lot of time in bed and it just, it just became a very sad situation. And it, I had no self-esteem, no self-confidence. I couldn't do anything. I wasn't capable. And then, um, in 2019, my dad passed away and my dad had been to that point, my, probably my greatest cheerleader. He was always telling me what I was capable of, what I should be doing, how great I am at arguing or talking endlessly <laughs> and changing minds. And he really thought I should be a lawyer. That, that was his thing. He wanted me to be a lawyer, but that wasn't for me because I'm not in it for money at all. I just want to help people. And I do come from a very abusive background um, by the hand of my biological father. 
and I decided while my dad was still alive that I, I did want, I wanted to help kids. And my mom had been a foster mother. And so I have two siblings from the foster system. And again, social work seemed to be the way to go. Mm. And shortly before my dad passed away, because it did happen very suddenly, we had had a conversation and he again told me I should be a lawyer. And I told him, no, I think I want to do social work, but I don't, I just don't know if I can do college. And again, biggest cheerleader that I had. So constantly telling me you can do this, you can do this. And then when he when he went in 2019, very unexpectedly, um, I lost all of what he had been building up in me. It was just gone just like that. You know, he was gone. So who else believes in me? Cause I didn't. So <laughs> it, it, I needed my dad. And of course my mom did and everything like that, but he, he was, he was the one pushing me to do more with my life because I think he didn't like seeing me depressed and about my disability. He wanted me to know that I had abilities past that. And when he was gone, I just didn't feel like I had, I had a, I didn't feel like I had a reason to push for it. I mean, I'm married. I have a husband. What do I, what do I need more for? I have a daughter. I'll be a grandmother eventually. What do I need more for? And then 2020 happened, which wasn't great for my, my, my mental state as it was. Cause you know, I missed my dad very much. Um, and then in July, we decided to take one of our vacations to the Upper Peninsula. We go to, uh, that's where I'm from, more or less. I moved a lot when I was younger, but more or less, I'm a Uber. So we took a vacation to Paradise. And while we were up in Paradise um, at the cabins we were staying at, I got to meet the grandson of the owners. And he just opened up to me and he started talking to me and to my best friend about being bullied. He was about 12 at the time about being bullied in school and how, how cruel kids can be and just how it was ruining his experience in school and things like that. And he was just talking to me and talking to me. And I said something to this kid about considering college. And he said, well, why don't you? He got you. Well, Chrissy, <laughs> yep. <laughs> why don't you? This kid who's got, I mean, when you're 12, that's, that's your whole entire world crashing mm -hmm. down on you when school isn't working out. I know. I remember I was very bullied at that age too. And I just, he was like, well, why don't you? I don't know. I don't have a good reason. Here I am trying to explain to you why you should stay in school and why you should just stick this out and that everything gets better. Why don't I? I don't have a good reason, buddy. I have no good reason to give you for that. I said, I tell you what, I'll look into it. And I'm the kind of person where if I say something to somebody, especially to a child, the last, even if I never saw him again and he wouldn't know, the mm -hmm. last thing I can do is lie to a child like that and mm -hmm. say, okay, I'll check it out, but then go home and forget it ever happened. No, that conversation is still very much in my mind. So I went home and I looked into it, talked myself out of it for almost a year, back and forth with my husband. He kept telling me that I could do whatever I set my mind to, but I didn't have my dad. You know, my, if I had had my dad, I think it would have been, yeah, do it. And okay, dad, I'm doing it right now. And that's not to take anything away from the other people in my life. They're very supportive. They're very good people. And, and they do encourage me and they do have my back and want to see me succeed. It was just something different from my dad, and I can't really explain. I think it was because, well, technically, he was my stepdad, and he came into my life, and he showed me what a, a real and loving father is like, and his word and his opinion just became a peer compared to most others. Again, no offense and nothing against anybody else in my life. So without him, I just kept talking myself out of it, and it didn't matter how many people told me I could do it. I just wasn't going to until I was ready. I'm a sure. little stubborn. Sure. 
just this much. Right. Um, <laughs> so I finally applied and I just told myself, you know, it's going to come back and they're not going to accept me. That's, that'll be the end of that. And then I got my acceptance letter and I, cho I chose LCC to answer that question. I, I chose LCC because they did have um, a good online program. That was the biggest pull for me because I'm disabled and part of my disability is extreme anxiety disorder. So I get anxious in a car. I get anxious in public settings. I get anxious in a room full of people. All of that doesn't sound good when you're trying to go to college. So when I found out that LCC had this incredible online program, especially since 2020, I think that they even, they went a little harder into their online program when that happened. I decided that this was where I was going to attempt to go because I think it would hurt less to be turned down from a community college than a university, sure. first of all. <laughs> um, but it, it, that was basically my attitude was I'll apply. They're going to reject me and I'm, I can get out of this now and I don't have to have faith in myself. I don't have to push myself anymore. And then they accepted me. <laughs> <laughs> and I, you would have thought that, that Harvard had accepted. I just, Words are hard. It's early and I'm drinking my coffee, but yeah. you would have thought that Harvard accepted me. I, I cried a lot. And then after about a half an hour of accepting that I'd been accepted, I called my husband and I cried to him. And then I called my best friend and then I called my daughter and then I called my mom. I just, I was like, I'm going to college. This is happening. Yeah. And then I heard about placement tests. <laughs> and I freaked out again. I was like, this is another chance for me to get out of this because I don't test well. And I didn't test well. I didn't. I didn't. I, I, I shouldn't say that. I tested okay, having been out of school for as long as I had been out of school. Mm -hmm. Keeping in mind, I will be turning 45 next month. And I dropped out of high school officially when I was 15. So that's 30 years of no school. Mm -hmm. And I did my placement tests with very little attempt at brushing anything up. And I didn't do terrible but I'm a perfectionist hmm. and stubborn hmm. and these things do not mix well together. And I decided instead of retesting, which I did have the opportunity to do that I should refresh. So I went in with some prerequisites for writing and for math and my writing is all done now. And I did outstanding at all of it. Yeah, you did. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. And I'm going to be a social worker. Yeah, like I'm going to be a social worker yeah. with an emphasis on art. I just am. And it's crazy to me. That is quite a journey of how you got here and the meaning that it has behind it. And like, I can tell that like you're a real person and you care about people. Um, and as much as we try to care about other people, sometimes caring about ourselves to be able to elevate the impact and the scope that we can actually affect other people can be really challenging. Um, so did you say that this was your first time at college then, or just college you thought was always outside of your reach of what things looked like for you? Both are a yes. This is my first time in college mm -hmm. and I have always, always felt that it was out of reach. Even when I was in high school, when I was younger, mm -hmm. I didn't have any plans to go to college. I was, I just didn't think I was intelligent enough for it. Mm. Even then. Mm. So self-selecting yourself out, thinking that oh, you yeah. weren't, didn't belong, weren't a part of it. And then now that you like got into it, you're like, oh, like 
I'm awesome. This is my place. These are my people. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I yeah. finally found my place. Yeah. Yeah. You deserve to be here for sure. Um, so what is it about social work that speaks to you? I mean, obviously you spoke about children and other things and like helping people and you have this great story um, moving forward. What is it though that like gives you that sense of fulfillment on the inside about working with people, especially children, as you've commented on, um, that like really means that part to you? change is, is the motivating factor. Mm. I want to see the foster system change. It is, it's broken. <laughs> it's broken. It's disturbing. I mean, I mentioned I came from a, an abusive household. Um, and not on my mother's part, by the way, I would like to make that very clear for anybody mm -hmm. listening, not sure. my mom. Um, but he, the biological was very abusive and, um, there wasn't anything in court records. So mm. there wasn't anything that stopped a foster care license which means more children went into his care mm. and were abused again. Um, and then I mentioned having adopted siblings. The oldest of those came from another abuse, a very sadly abusive household. And again, biological father was, there is court documents mm -hmm. and, um, he was given a foster care license and brought in more girls and abused mm. more girls. Mm. That has to stop. There has to be, there has to be a way when we're taking kids away from a bad situation, there has to be something that stops us from putting them into another bad situation. Mm. And I want to be that line. Mm. I want to be that mm. buffer to make sure that kids go from hell into their forever home with fathers who should be like fathers, like I got for my stepdad with mothers who love them and don't necessarily envy them or, you know, cause that happens a lot. I think especially mothers of daughters, it can happen a lot, especially learning psychology and things like that mm -hmm. now, cause I'm getting smarter, um, <laughs> which is dangerous for everybody. <laughs> uh, but it, there, there is something there for like a, a woman giving birth to this fresh, new, beautiful woman. You know, mm -hmm. you've given birth to another woman and that you are going to compete with that woman now for the rest of your life. And she will always be younger than you. She will always be prettier than you. She will always be fresher than you. And if you don't have your own healthy ego, like you can't handle that. Mm -hmm. And when you talk to kids, girls in the foster system that have problems with their mothers, a lot of time it is that there's a resentment or or something, there's a connection missing with their mothers mm -hmm. too. So it's not just, it's not just fathers that make a household sure. uncomfortable or unsafe. It, mothers do it too, sadly. I just, I just really want to be that, that line for kids mm -hmm. where I, I just want to know that either we can do, th we can get therapy, we can figure something out to get you back into the home. As long as, you know, we're not talking about the worst of abuse, but if it's a neglect situation or something where you can just educate and you can get everybody back together and that's the optimal ending for absolutely. I would advocate for that if that's the best interest of the child, but if the best interest of the child is a new home, that new home shouldn't be another dangerous place. Mm -hmm. It shouldn't be another unsafe place. It should absolutely be a, a place that the system has already defined as a safe space for you to go to. Mm -hmm. So how, how is that getting through the cracks? 
when in my personal life, I know of it two extreme situations Mm -hmm. and I'm one person. If I talk to a group of 10 people, how many of those people would also have stories of extreme situations for the foster system? I think sadly more than half of them would. Did I go off track? No, 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 you're fine. No, no. (laughs) I asked, Hey, what are you passionate about? So like I, I presented that. So you're, you're, you're right on track. You're totally fine. It's the Um, kids. It really is. I need, I need to make sure that they have, I mean, when you have the optimal growing environment, you, I think become a better person, character, Mm -hmm. uh, motivation, Mm -hmm. trying to become something and somebody to change the world. When you, when you have that proper upbringing, whatever it looks like, it's not cookie cutter, but if you have a proper upbringing where there's the right ingredients, the right amount of love and the right amount of discipline, because it is part of it, mm-hmm. but it needs to be appropriate. You know, the right amount of encouragement and support, all of that mixes together and gives you a human being who goes into the world feeling like they're capable of something mm-hmm. versus me who went out into the world thinking they were not capable of anything. Mm-hmm. I grew up feeling that way and I went into the world feeling that way. I raised my daughter feeling that way. Mm-hmm. Sure, I sure didn't raise her to feel that way about herself. Mm-hmm. And until now, getting a chance to look back, of course I wouldn't raise her like that. I want her to feel like the world is her oyster. But then why is the world not my oyster? Mm -hmm. Why is it also not okay for me to feel Mm -hmm. like I can do all these things? So I don't don't know where I'm going with this, but apparently I had to change my attitude about myself to get here. You know, I really, I really did. And I know we've talked about this before, but our first meeting, one of the, the, the first things you said to me was take age out of it. Mm-hmm. Your age has nothing to do with this. You're certainly not the oldest student we've ever had, and nope. you, you will never be the oldest student we've nope. ever had. So get over it. Age has nothing to do with it. And I don't know how long it took for me, honestly. It was a couple more conversations with you after that, and, and still in my private life would still say things about, Oh, I'm 44 years old. I don't know if I can do this. I'm so tired. I've got so many responsibilities that 44 years old, 44. And then finally I started yelling at myself, take your age out of it. Just take the age out of it and then yell at yourself. And I'm like, I don't have any excuses. (laughs) I can do this. So I mean, that is more, it started to turn into that. And then like I told you before, I have the, I have notes from that first meeting and it was take your age out of it. You deserve to be here. You belong here. Hmm. And those were the notes I took, and they are still on my bulletin board right by my desk <laughs> to this day. And I look at them all the time, and I remind myself, yes, I do deserve to be here. I believe it more now. Hmm. After, I mean, after first semester, I still believed it for sure. But this summer semester, that's no joke. That is fast. Yeah. And online, when, when it's fully online too, that yeah. is fast, and you are in charge. You have to have self-discipline you have to have the desire to get it done you have to make time for it nobody's telling you be in your seat at this time every day you've got to do that yourself you've got and you don't you've got to stay up till two three o'clock in the morning because you didn't get it done Mm -hmm. I definitely now after my second semester and having that second semester have been a double paced summer semester my confidence is up there, probably <laughs> to the detriment of everyone yeah. else. But my self-confidence is up there. I can do this and I can do this well. Thank you for joining us on the Success Scenario. 
My name's Dustin Abrego. Join us next time when we talk to Chrissy for the conclusion of this episode as we talk about the positive change in her life and how she's going to help children in the future. Thank you for taking time out of your day to listen to the success scenario. You can listen to this episode and past episodes anytime online at lccconnect.org. The success scenario is a program dedicated to inspiring students towards a path of success. I'm Dustin Abrego, and if you're a current LCC student with a great story to share or know someone with a story to share, connect with me on Twitter or at LinkedIn at Dustin Abrego, A-B-R-E-G-O. Until next time, success starts with you.